0: Good morning, Grinders. Hey, it's the DFS pregame show with your buddy Blender Ed, aka Jordan Cooper, aka Blender HD, or whatever. Whatever you want to call me. I'm on top of you in the, in the DraftKings lobby. That's a, or a fan duel when I play it, I guess. That, that's fine with me. Call me whatever you want. This is the DFS pregame show. This is when we go over uh, yesterday's slate. And see what we did wrong, what we did right, what what top players did strategically, and then uh, preview today's slate, which uh, which maybe be a bit easier than it normally is on a Monday because we only did three game Monday slate. Okay, Giannis is out, we already know that. So maybe the stuff that I stay on this show will actually stick around by the end of the night. I don't know. It typically isn't right. We have a normally a ten game slate, and by five thirty Eastern, nothing that I. That's why we go over strategy. Right, GPP strategy. So, if you have any questions, uh, and you want to take a look at anything from yesterday or talk about anything for today, just post it in the YouTube chat. And I'm in the YouTube chat. I see Robert Gall. How you doing, Don Easy, Jose Flores, The Daily Fantasy Sweat. Right, banana and apple juice time. Actually, I got uh, I got mango. Amazing mango from the. I got this. It's a clove, It's still citrus. It's it's still it's healthier than I would normally right? It's healthier than coffee, right? So, uh, so if if you, if you want to keep the mango, the amazing mango true juice smoothie cold, you'll have to hit the like button, hit that thumbs up button, right? And don't, don't, don't be, don't be fearful. Just because someone else hits the, the thumbs up button doesn't mean it's contagious. Okay. It's not contagious. You can't get the coronavirus from hitting the thumbs up button. So, so you might as well do it, right? Just because you can't, you, know, you don't know who's watching the show. Maybe someone that's infected is watching the show. They hit the thumbs up button, then you hit the thumbs up button, and now you have the coronavirus. It doesn't work that way. You can't get the coronavirus through YouTube. So there's no reason to not hit the like button, okay? And also today, uh, it, it, you, there's no concession on how many like button hits you have to you have to do. Uh, there's free crunch time today. So uh, of course, on the three-game slate, do do, do we need crunch time on a three-game slate? But you get it, right? So uh, there'll be Grinders, it's Grinders Live today, right? That, that, that show's going on today, five twenty, then six thirty for uh for Grinders, for Grinders Live, right? We got a seven. Oh, okay, that would be a seven o'clock. I don't even know what the schedule is anymore. We got what a seven thirty game, nine and a nine. So that would be what five fifty Grinders Live and seven o'clock, whatever. And look at the YouTube page. I don't even know. I don't even know. Right? Because it's, it's such a weird slate. I only have three games. Three games on a Monday. But whatever. There were eight games yesterday on the main DK slate. Six on the FanDuel slate. So it's a little bit switching it up. Typically Sundays you get like four games and you're done. And that's it. Right? So uh, if, you, if you got anything, always post in the YouTube chat. Uh, okay. We got Okay. People, people... uh the bolt house juice. Oh, okay. Well, people like the the, the mango. The mango is great stuff. He the emojis and everything, right? You know, what wasn't great stuff yesterday? Uh, if you played Ersan Ilyasova too much, because, uh, yeah, Ersan, he, uh, me, you, everyone that's watching the show, if we put ourselves combined, we had an, as many field goal attempts as Ersan Ilyasova yesterday, because he didn't shoot the ball at all, right? He had no shot attempts. He got what seven rebounds and I did what seven rebounds and a turnover or something, All right? I mean, he was minimum price, yeah, three thousand, but I mean, eight point two five ain't can do anything for you, All right? Look across contests, he was uh, in the mega eights, he was uh, nearly half the lineups, and then down the chain right over here. So he pretty much if you if you built if you just faded erson and like the forty ish percent that the field had him, and you just built other lineups, you, you probably did okay. Right, as as long as you didn't have Jimmy Butler who got injured, right? Because Jimmy Butler ended up with the what ten ten point five points. He was about twenty one percent owned across contests over here. But I mean, I mean, the, yesterday was come on, Middleton and Bledsoe. I mean, we're going to say the same thing about today because DraftKings apparently doesn't like pricing on what Bledsoe is priced up another what two hundred and Middleton another like nine hundred or something. I mean, like it did. Giannis is out, and these guys are still too cheap. So even though. I mean, we saw the Suns, the Suns kind of ran away with it a bit. But Middleton and Bledsoe still got there. I mean, Bledsoe 43.75, Middleton 47 for their prices. This was 7X, 8X, 9X, right? Bledsoe was like 50, 5,500. Middleton was 6,500. 6,500. If you get 47 from a 6,500, you're good. You're done. So, I mean, the fact, I mean, look at the difference between these contests. I mean, the Mega Eights, I mean, they were, they were practically in like most of the lineups. Sunday shoot around 77, 66 percent. The and one, which is the one dollar twenty max, sixty seven and fifty six percent. But the sled, the context of the slate, I think that I think that's underowned. They were They were three thousand underpriced, and he needed them to win, right? Real, I mean, he didn't necessarily need them particularly, but they didn't prevent you from winning. The winning lineup in the in the Sunday shoot around had Middleton and bloodson right? Also had Rubio, and also had Shabazz Napier, who. Had 51 points at like no ownership, right? Where the hell is Shabazz Napier? Because, I mean, they both were low. Like Ricky Rubio, here, six, five, five. Okay, that's Ricky Rubio. Where the Shabazz Napier? Where did he go? He was really low owned. Yeah, he was like 1% owned. I can't even find him. Yeah, Shabazz Napier right here, 0.27%. He was in like one lineup in the 888, then 1% owned in the shoot around and 1 percent in the and one something like that right but look even chetty osmond there were a there were a bunch of guys that were like two percent owned that that went i mean we, we could start by fantasy points we could see the top scores on the slate ricky rubio at six percent luca at 14 booker at 18 drummond at one lowry at two bam sabonis at eight Shabazz at less than one. Norman Powell at four percent. Deontay Murray at seven percent. Chris Paul at five. I mean, look at this. You don't even get till you get to Middleton, like this. Look at how many players. Look at, I mean, and outside of maybe, I mean, Shabazz is, are, is Shabazz and Napier a good player? But I mean, these are good players. Like you could play Luka lineups, but the problem is with the Luca lineups is that you probably had to have like Ursan in that, and you didn't you didn't do well in and of itself. But I mean low- I mean we didn't know the the the, the status of Van Bleet, because that was the late game. So I understand. But I mean Larry was eighty six hundred. Powell was like sixty-six hundred. I mean, it's hard to play those guys if if Van Bleet plays in the game. But if they don't, who knows? They 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 have a ceiling. But look, you could play good players and get them in low owned at every slate. Do you consider Drummond to be good anymore? I don't know. But I mean, with, with all those guards out, I mean maybe he does well. So there you go. Here are the I mean, yesterday, if you just played Middleton and Bledsoe, and then just one contrary, I mean, you were fine. I mean, look, look at all the options that you had that you could have played. Chris Paul even did well, at forty-eight points, right? With uh, with Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander out, Aaron Gordon was two percent owned against the Rockets. Right? I mean, look at look look how many good players were were under owned for their ceiling potential in comparison to, like, the DeRozans and the Schroder. So I mean, they got there. And Schroder got 43 points for 5,500 or so. He got there. That was fine. But instead of playing a Christian Wood or even a Julius Randle, I mean, Julius Randle got there. Aaron Baines got there. I mean, a lot of, a lot of players got there. Della Vadova was 3,200. He scored 35 points. So he was fine. But you needed one of these low on You needed the lever. I mean, this, this highlights what what I say all the time. You needed – what was your leverage? These were the top leverage plays that ended up being. Not necessarily you would have thought about playing them beforehand. But if you play a lineup with a lot of chalk, with a lot of Bledsoe, Middleton, maybe not Ersan, like we take a, just a look at the, what the chalk was. Like if you play Middleton, Bledsoe, DeRozan, DeRozan got there. Baines got there. Schroeder got there. Randall pretty much got there. Della got there. Brooke Lopez pretty much got there. Booker definitely got there. I mean, like, you could have easily played six of these guys. You could have easily played six chalky players. And then if you're, the other two was like Rubio Napier, you won. I mean, like, like literally, take a look. We go back to uh, contests. Go back to the summary. Look, the best lineup. In all contests, the actual lineup was uh, three ninety one, and look look what it had. Look right down here: Delavadova, Middleton, Bledsoe, DeRozan. I mean, it had truck players, Randall, right? But it had DeRozan. It had Murray, Adebayo, Delvado, You know, Rubio didn't have Napier, but you didn't need Napier. I mean, once you have Rubio, you're. I mean, seventy two points from Rubio, you're good. And even the winning contest, the winning. Entry, we go here. Vevo, who won the Sunday shoot-around, look at this lineup. Still had Bledsoe, Middleton, Randall. then had Napier, Jones, Rubio, Booker. I mean, there you go. You still, still played the chalk. Bledsoe, Middleton was still, I mean, we, we could go, go down the list and take a look at these lineups. Here's another one, right? Willie K two seventy two, Bledsoe, Middleton, Baines, and DeRozan. Look, high owned, high owned, high owned, high owned. But got Rubio Napier together, and Bertans didn't really even matter that much. Bertans could have been nearly anyone. This song with five entries: Tyler, Tyler at BSK. Look, Bledsoe, Middleton, Randall, DeRozan. Delvadova at nineteen percent, but the five percent Rubio, six percent Duncan Robinson. He had a game, so you can see that this is, these are large field tournaments. Look, there's twenty seven thousand entries in this tournament, and take a look at look at the top cup, the top point one percent. Still jock, jock, chalk, chalk, Still, it's still. And it's an eight game slate. It's not a three game slate where these day numbers are going to be high regardless. Still playing chalk. Finding leverage in two spots, right? Right two low owned guys that go nutso. That's it. You're done. You're good. Avoid or or at avoiding like the, the, the bomb, right? Avoiding the Ursan bomb, avoiding the butler, you know, injury and him getting going getting nothing, right? That's it. You win twenty seven thousand entries, a hundred thousand, right? Vebo. Not complicated. You just have to find what the points are that you're going to make. Make sure you're making lineups that are similar in, in, in structure, ownership-wise, to this. And sometimes the sometimes the chalk fails. Sometimes, uh, you know, out of, out of the, the four or five guys that are going to be chalky, you know, two of them fail. Three of them do great. Do we know which ones it's going to be beforehand? No. But that doesn't mean you have to avoid all chalk all the time. I mean, you can. You're you're gonna lose more times than not, but when you win, you're probably gonna win a hell of a lot. But you may only win once a year. You don't have to avoid all. You don't have to avoid all the chalk. I see so much, so many times in 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 like the premium Discord, which you can be a part of if you're a premium member. People are just like, okay, how how do I play a lineup that's not that has no bucks in it? Like, the, was there a purpose yesterday of playing a lineup with no bucks in it? Giannis is out, and everyone's underpriced. I mean, they're they're underpriced. Even if Giannis was in, okay? I was saying that on Crunch Time yesterday. It's like these guys, even if Giannis was in, they're not horrible. They're not bad plays. I mean, they're not great plays, but I would still play Bledsoe at 5K level and Middleton at 6K level and Brooke Lopez at 4K level. I'd still consider playing them even if Giannis was in. Now that he's out, they're like 3K underpriced. So, like, why, why you? I could see, yes, maybe you play one. You fade one in a lineup, maybe. Okay, but both. Like, what's the point? They're underpriced. They have to score points. You might as well play. You, I don't think you got to get nuts. You have to get nuts in two spots, and there you go. You're good. So that's uh, just all I wanted to highlight. Looking at the the YouTube chat, uh, as always, post your post your questions and comments in the YouTube chat. I will scroll up. I will see them all. Okay. you look up the word leverage in the dictionary you'll see a picture of the guy talking from roto grinders is the guy talking right now but that's what you need to do he says leverage like a 100 times a video you know why because that's how you win gpps that's 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 the whole that's the whole ball game that's the game you notice i don't say i think this guy's gonna do well because i have no idea that's not that's not how you play dfs you tell me uh, how many points you think middleton's gonna score tonight i have no idea I'm more likely to tell you how owned he's going to be and what construction is more likely to do well than not because other people will be playing it. That's how I play DFS. I start with what is everyone else doing? And then I make my decisions. I don't know. I can't predict the future. And now people are talking about golf in the chat. Yeah, Robert Gall says, uh, "Just making a few strong stances, you could eliminate the win equity of forty to fifty percent of the field at times." Yes, download the CSV. You'll find plenty of lineups that have like no leverage. You'll find plenty of lineups that have like so that, that a lot of times done through optimizers. A lot of you know, I'm going to make optimal lineups. I'm going to make like cash lineups that have very little leverage that are eating like all the chalk. You know that are playing like literally playing like virtually cash lineups in a large field GPP. You want to play that type of lineup in an 800 man type of con? Yeah, that could, that could possibly, but a lot of times there's tons of lineups that had Middleton, Bledsoe, Iliasova, Lopez, uh, DeMar DeRozan, Aaron holiday. Like, like just like you look at it and you go, yeah, that's a double up type of lineup. Like that. It just, you're sharing too many points with too much of the field you're not getting enough relative value out of the lineup that if that lineup does well, like so many other lineups also do well, your opponent's lineups do well, that it's going to be very hard for you to win first place as opposed to playing like, Hey, I'm going to take a shot on Shabazz Napier and just shove him in. And then that gives you more of a shot or Rubio, whoever, whoever you did, who knows who that person's going to be. That's why I don't bother predicting it. Tyrone Tap asks, What's up, guys? I see lots of lineups that have the first game stacked and maybe one or two players from other teams. Do you think this is an effective way to build GPP lineups? No. Who cares about the first? It's because you're checking the tournament standings early. That's why, because the score report's early. The time of the games don't matter. Unless you're obviously on DraftKings, if you're late swap possibilities. There is. Some merit if there's news to be had late to play the late game hammer or whatever, to give yourself optionality. Okay. But in general, there's no like, well, if you play the early games, you're more likely to win versus playing the late. Like if you're not gonna make any changes or anything, who cares when the game's up? You're trying to find patterns that don't exist. It doesn't matter. Okay. If you're in the big contest with like 75,000 people, a trucky lineup won't win. A chalky lineup can win. They, remember, in DFS, you shouldn't be to- using terms like won't and never and always. It, is, it, has, it has much less win equity. Doesn't have zero win equity. Just you're you're every you're paying the same you're paying the same amount of dollars. You're playing the Sunday shoot around. Your entry fee for one lineup is the same as everyone else's. Your lineup's win equity is six times lower than someone else's. They're doing better than you. They have more of a shot at winning, they have a higher expected value. So, you want to build lineups that have win equity in a tournament where it pays $100,000 the first and it goes down dramatically from there. Double ups, do whatever you want. Triple ups, pays the top third. Who cares? They're becoming first or ninth or something. It doesn't matter. In the 100K GPP, the difference between first and eighth is a lot of money. Okay, so let's take a look at what uh, what some people did. And we'll see V. Vevo. uh, who went under on Bledsoe. Uh, remember, Vevo's winning lineup, what were the two core pieces that, that won him the 100K? Rubio put up 72 points and Napier, who put up Fifty-one points. Okay, let's take a look at uh, where Vebo has him. We're gonna go. We're, gonna, we're We're still scrolling. Where? Where? Where is this? Let's Let's sort by. Where did he go? Here we go. Napier, eight percent. Rubio, four percent. Right down over here. He had eight percent Napier, which is still like way more than the one percent. And he had 4%. Rubio was actually slightly under the 5.69% in this contest. And he won because he just happened to have Napier and Rubio in a lineup. Right? It's not like he went in and said, I'm going to have 60% of these guys. Right? These, these were like the secondary plays. These were just like throwing in the player pool. His main thing was having Middleton, DeRozan, Randall, Derek Jones, Derek White, Colin Sext, I mean, Delavadova, Augustine. Even with Fultz in had a good game at his price, right? 3,600, he got 34 points. That's good. So you could see that, you know, he had plenty of plenty of players that wasn't necessary. Was Derek Jones necessary? No. Derek White wasn't necessary. I mean, Colin Sexton didn't get there. He just happened to have the right piece. He just happened to have a little bit of everyone else. But from a strategic perspective, he he was. Much lighter on Bledsoe. You see, across the board, I mean, I know I I, I pulled out what, one, two, three, four, but seven players. But for the most part, Middleton and Bledsoe were, I mean, nearly 100% owned in most sharp players' lineups. 100%. I mean, like, and it was more likely that uh, players went under on Bledsoe and less on Middleton. And I think it's primarily due to positional scarcity. Uh, being that Middleton is small forward eligible and Bledsoe is point guard eligible. And there were other point guards to play like Schroder. You could have played there. You could have played Booker, Della Vidova, Westbrook, Luca, Sexton, Harden. I mean, there were, there were a lot, there were a lot more point guards to play yesterday. Small forwards yesterday was really Middleton. And then you could play DeRozan in the small forward spot, Jimmy Butler in the small forward spot. You could play uh, Gallinari in the small forward spot. Ross was more of a fan duel play. Sarge, I guess you could have played there. So Milton was a little bit more of a priority. But I mean, but some people fade. I mean, if you take a look, look at the Bledsoe across the board over here. I mean, like Nico 22 faded, uh, you know, under a Middleton. But I mean, Bledsoe under, under. But then, you know, like Mr. Goodsy, just uh, Middleton and Bledsoe in every lineup. No problem. But then we take a look at Ursan. And we have, yeah, Nico, uh, 22, had the strategy of, I'm just going to fill up my power forward slot with Luis Obviously, he's not going to win that way. He didn't do it, but other people went the other way. So like Dexter, Dexter at 40%. The call said 32%. No more, I love yous 32%. Mr. Goodseat says, no, I'm going to fade. Bevo, Chipotle, Attic, go under. Same thing with Baines. Some people took wide positions with Aaron Baines. I think it was fine. Fine at, what, 5,400? <laughs> I mean, he got there. But was he a necessity? I don't know. But Bebo ha- was under. Chipotle Attic was over. Mr. Goodseats was under. Nico was over. Kind of what you were doing at center yesterday. The center was kind of like you're playing like Danes, Lopez, or you're paying up for like Dam or Vooch or something. That's why we could see here. Like Vooch's ownership really... For the players that at least I picked out, wasn't that high. A lot of more were on BAM, like Mr. Good Seats, 63% BAM, 18% owned, heavy leverage here. So that's what we're looking at. That's why I look at results ResultsDB, which is free. Go to results ResultsDB. You can do this for yourself. This is what I do every day, right? I do this myself. This is not, I mean, even the days I don't do this show. I am looking at exactly this. This is exactly what I study. I spend, I don't know, could be 10 minutes sometimes, 10 to 30 minutes, looking through some of this stuff. See if, if, if other top players <coughs> made choices that I didn't consider. Not if they made the right choice or the wrong choice or what players they picked. Just like, oh, okay, that was an interesting way to go. Like I'm trying to think of, these are things that I would have considered but maybe just chose not to do. Yes, I could have faded Urson. Yes, I could have. So it's not like oh my god, I can't believe you faded. No, and I, I know that that was an option. I know fading Middleton and Bloodsoul were an option. It's not not an option I would have done. But I wanted to see if other people did it, and then look for where were the leverage points that maybe I didn't consider as much. So we would take a look at Vebo. I mean, he would just like like heavy Randall. DeRozan, Middleton, Bledsoe. He was getting leverage. I was talking about on crunch time, those other the other Spurs guards. I was talking about if you're not gonna play DeRozan, play Derek White or Deontay Murray. So here's some leverage on White. Derek Jones, playing Derek Jones instead of Urson, er- right? Derek Jones was for I mean 4100. I mean it just you still you needed some salary. But you can see here that he played some Augustine, some Jones some Bryant at center. Because if you're only going to play 15%, 3K, Ursan Ilyasova, you're going to need to find some cheaper players. And he found some cheaper players. He played played three times over the field of Harden. Three times over the field of Beal. Three times over the field of Paul. Right? He was trying to get different by not playing Bledsoe. Played 100% Middleton but faded Bledsoe and made different constructions. Chipotle addict, on the other hand, like I'm just going to go all in practically on Christian Wood, Aaron Danes, fade some Ersan, still play plenty of Middleton and Bledsoe and DeRozan, but 70% Delavidova, 42% Savonis. So this was his main leverage point. Going way over in the power forward center spot and playing Savonis and Ibaka. So you can see here, like where was his, uh, where was his Brook Lopez? Yeah, see, Chipotle attic. Fading, mostly Ursan and Lopez, which means you need to find a center somewhere, right? So he's playing a lot of wood, a lot of wood, Baines. He's, he's using power forward and center and just paying up. So he's playing a lot of wood and power forward, Sabonis and power forward, and then playing Ibaka and Baines and those types of guys. A little bit of Randall. So that was his that was his main strategic point in the power forward center slot. Dexter Dexter also went under in Bledsoe, but still had plenty of Middleton, tons of DeRozan, tons of Randall. He took a ton of Devin Booker, which was I mean, yeah, he got almost sixty points. Took took a ton of Colin Sexton. Didn't get there, but I see what he was doing. Derek White. Deontay Murray, thirty one percent. Got a little bit different. Uh, how much Ursan? He's 40% Urson, so he still needed some power forward center stuff. So that's why you see some uh, where is it? Tom, some Thomas Bryant in there, right? Yes, Thomas Bryant's up over here. He had 10% Ricky Rubio also because he's fading blood cell, right? These are all going to correspond with the positions that – the, the chalk that he's fading, right? That's the point, right? I could tell. I could look through and go – well, if he has this, look, he has a guard, this guard at this. He has this guard at that. He has this guard at 38. I'm like, if I had to, if he didn't tell me, you just showed me Booker at 76%, Sexton 38, Derek White at 34, and Deontay Murray at 31, and tell me what truck did this guy fade? I would say Bledsoe because look at they're the, all point guard eligible, right? All these guys are point guard eligible. So who's the truck point guard today? Eric Bledsoe. Leverage points. Mr. Goodseats just went all in. Middleton, Bledsoe, DeRozan, Fade Urson, Fade Baines, took a ton of wood, but then like, like took a gargantuan amount of bam. Took a ton of Aaron Holiday. who didn't get there. Derek White also. Chris Staps Porzingis, right? No one was playing him. I mean, he did, definitely didn't get there. But I see where the leverage was, right? Even this guy over here, who was the lad, no more I love yous at Porzingis as a leverage point. Look, Rubio, he was the only, out of all the players that I picked out, Nico 22, tons of Rubio, tons of Derek White, tons of Harden, right? Tons, a bunch of Luca Gallinari, Della Vidova, right? Because he was under on both of these. He'd, I mean, under enough, right? 54, 50, I mean, still had plenty. But still, like, yeah, tons of Rubio. Rubio at the highest scorer of the day. Yeah, but stuck with, uh, yeah, an eight points from Ursa, uh, right? Nico couldn't have gotten there, right, with only eight points. So you see how the players chose leverage. I mean, look at Schroder for the Colts, right? Because we had got the news that SGA was out. So Schroder, Gallinari, Paul, they become better plays. So Schroder, you can see there. Gallinari had a ton of him. Right, Paul 16% over here. Plenty of Ibaka at four percent owned. Steven Adams, right? For that, for the same same spot. You could see. I mean, even uh, George Hill over here for uh, who? Mr. Goodseeds, right? Fading Urson and playing uh, George Hill in the point guard spot. We didn't get there, right? We only got six points. It's not like it did well, but all these players found leverage in places. They played 150 lineups. All of these players played 150 lineups. And most of their lineups, you'll still find plenty that you look at one out of 150, two out of 150 that are like, not sure if this has enough leverage, made this too much chalk? But for the most part, most of their lineups have enough, have proper amounts of leverage in order to win a 27,000 entry contest. So just because you're looking at overall exposure, you still have to look on the individual basis of their alignments. That's why I said Bevo had Rubio and Napier together, but they were only eight percent and four percent exposed. It just so happened that they happened to be in the same line. Sometimes you get lucky, right? Sometimes you put yourself, but you have to put yourself in the position, the opportunity to get lucky like. If you're just jamming in chalk and getting no leverage in every lineup that you make, you're not giving, giving giving yourself the opportunity to even get lucky, right? Even if you have a guy in one lineup, if you're playing 10 lineups, you know, like, do I play this guy in one lineup or do I play him in eight line? Play him in one, fine. As long as that lineup individually has enough leverage to win the contest that you're playing. Okay. Going back into the YouTube chat, as always, you can post it. Do you post in the YouTube chat if you got any questions? Hit that th- the thumbs up button, right? Let's let's check the mango. Let's check the mango. Still pretty cold. You guys have been doing well. Don't worry, you're not gonna get the coronavirus from me. <coughs> I don't think it can come through the the microphone. I don't think it, I don't think that's the way it works. The internet is not a series of actual tubes. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get that. But looking in the YouTube chat, uh, why are you talking about yesterday, Arabella? Because that's how you learn how to play. If you're not gonna study yesterday's slate, if you're not gonna study past slates, you're never gonna learn. This is how I learned. The best way to learn is to study past slates. Study top players. Okay. Anyone fading this slate and buying alcohol instead? Is that, is, that a, is that a better option? Just get drunk? Who cares about this slate? We can do it. Okay. Let's see. I really like Zinger for leverage. I was 30% on him and he was 5% of my GP. Okay, but that's all you can judge it by. Doesn't matter. If, okay, poor did not did not do well. He had 24 points yesterday. But the, the the strategic reasoning for doing it was sound. Porzingis was going to be forty percent on, and you don't, you know, yeah, the, the, you get no leverage there. So you used them for leverage. You didn't get there. Move on to the next day. But I mean, you're not you're you're not getting it right every day. You decided to do that. It turned out that wasn't the best that that wasn't the the outcome that that you wanted. But strategic decision was correct. There are tons of correct strategic decisions. I mean, that's why we look at sharp players. All of these players did something different. But at least they did something. That's the point. They didn't just like, oh, how do I play 150 optimal lineups? And just, well, look the prediction, you know, like I could do that. Like, look, 300, hundred. Like, let's go to build rules. I'm going to go to 150, right? I'm going to put my salary just like 49, 8, to whatever. Right? Doesn't matter. Everything else. So I'm just going to build 150 lineups. Optimal lineups. So I'm going to put in the two zeros so I can run this. Like, they're not just doing this. Like, I'm running 150. But like, all these lineups, they're just going to be like the top the top players all get jammed in together. All the high-owned players just jammed in together. Maybe one of them is, maybe one of them gets lucky, but I mean, the tons of them will have, like, just no leverage in them. So that's why you don't play this way. That's why you have to make choices. It's a three-game slate. You're going to have to make, make some hard decisions because, I mean, you're going to have to get different somewhere. There's only six games on. There's only six teams on the slate. So, like, if I run 150 lineups with our current projections, which you can get with premium. right? premium. Look, it says, right, here, new premium NBA projections. They've been great this year, okay? So get that with premium. RotoGrinders.com slash premium. But look, I mean, look, Middleton – Milton and Bledsoe are still in 99% of lineups. Miles Bridges, 71% of lineups against Atlanta. Abaca at 5,900. Got Mitchell Conley, Bogdanovich, some Cody Martin, Gobert, Jokic, Rozier. Okay. So you see right here. Are we going to play these types of lineups? I mean, now we, oh, we do have ownership in. I guess we do have ownership in. But I mean, but look at this ownership. Imagine playing this lineup in, in a large field GPP with a 310% exposure sum. I mean, it's just stupid. I mean, like, uh, where there's, not, there's nothing if this lineup, I mean, there's a double up lineup. Doesn't matter that's the highest, highest median. It's the median projected. I don't care about medians for GPPs. You're not winning anything with the, the, this, this much ownership. I mean, come on. Take one of these guys out and just play someone different, at least. But I mean, three hundred ten percent on a three game slate—you win a hundred k with this. That's why I say leverage all the time, people. Are, that's why we study past slates. I'm not saying that these got these individual players can't do well. I don't know what they're going to do. All I know is that if I construct a lineup that has this much ownership in it, that I better not. I'm not going to be playing it in a contest where I need to beat like thirty thousand people in. That's the point that I that's the point that I make on these shows. How to how to come up with strategies so you're not making lineups like we see here. Where do we find leverage? If this is going to be the chalk, where do we find leverage? Because do you trust in 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 Miles Bridges getting there? I don't. Devontae Graham could easily dud, right? I mean, like the yes, they're more likely to do well but they're not like, the, they're not locks. I mean, we even take a look at the smash percentage. I mean, look, we're still, th- these are good ones. High 20s, low 30s are considered good. That's still a third of the time. That means two thirds of the time, they don't hit a ceiling. People act like, oh, lock locks so or whatever. No, this is a lot. Eric Bledsoe is the lock of the slate at 5,700. And he's like a smash percentage of 39%. And that, that's, that's the lock. Okay, so just understand the failure rates and success rates of what, you know, high probability shots are 40% is high probability in DFS, right? We take a look at it. Okay. We got, we got initial projected ownership. So that's why I take a look at the ownership and compare it to the smash percentage. And that's why I take a look at like ones that are like low, like Kevin Hearder. He's going to be 20% owned with only 11% smash rate. Then that's a, that's a fade. Individually, like I take a look at ownership versus smash percentages. Like Bogdanovich, if he's going to be twenty nine percent owned, but only nineteen percent smash, maybe a little bit more of a fade. And I, I do it the other way also. So I, I sort by smash percentage, and then I look at the lower lower owned, right? So I look down here. I go, oh, baka baka His smash percentage is above his ownership. That seems pretty good. Harry Rogier, 26%, 19% don't. If obviously, if the ownership actually projects to be that, right? That's, that's the caveat. So that's what I'm looking for. Like, I don't mind low smash percentages if, like, it's also low ownership. Right? So I just look down here, and I'm just looking. We still have to construct good lineups. I'm not going to just play a bunch of these guys, you know, the 1% don't guys together. I'm like, okay, I'm playing Bledsoe, Middleton. You play like the Joker. I can play Conley, right? I can do that. We play Trae Young. They'll probably play Trae Young in a lineup that I have uh, uh, Graham or Rozier or Bridges or something in it. I could see doing that. So you're just putting together what, what the construction is going to be you take a look, that's why you build 150 lineups like this. I'm not going to play these 150 lineups. I just want to see what positions. So like I'm going to go through positions, I go point guard. That's going to be Bledsoe. It's going to have Bledsoe's going to occupy up so much of the point guard spot. So you can see what players will get less ownership because of that. Shooting guard. See, like if we go to small forward, that's going to be Middleton. So Middleton at, so we have point guard and small forward kind of taken care of. Shooting guard, not so much. You're going to see a lot of Mitchell because who else are you going to play at shooting guard? That's why we look down here and go, hmm, where can we get leverage? Because we've seen Donovan Mitchell dud. So maybe you duds today. Maybe play Rozier instead, or you pay down. You take a look at this spot and you go, hmm, maybe this is just the pay down position. And we look at power forward. Here's another weak position. That's why Miles Bridges is coming in so much. And Boyan. Yeah, you'd love to pay up for John Collins, but it doesn't mean you can. So you go position by position and see what the construction's going to look like. Tons of Babak at 5,900, I get it. Or Joker, if you're going to pay up. This is what I get. So based on these spreads of the difference between ownerships, when you build 150 lineups, shows what the construction, the chalk construction types are going to look like. They're going to look like Bledsoe, Middleton, Mitchell. They're either going to pay up at shooting guard or pay up at center. And if they don't pay up at center, they're playing a Baca. And then like Bridges or Bogdan are not paying up for Collins. And that's, and that's the, truck construct, the The two or three types of slightly different chalk construction types. So you could choose to go with the chalk construction type by going, okay, instead of playing Bridges, I'm going to play Millsap. Or instead of uh, Mitchell, I'm going to play Will Barton. You could do that. Or you could decide to flip the construction and go, well, everyone's, uh, so many people are paying, paying up for Jokic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Dwayne Dead. I'm going to take a shot on Cody Zeller. I'm going to pay down at center, right? Power forward, people intending to go to, I'm going to pay up for John Collins, right? I'm going to flip the construction and be different that way. It's kind of hard for someone to have John Collins and Jokic and Middleton. It's, it's going to be hard for people to have that type of lineup. So take that type of lineup if you want. It's a different construction. So if you I got any stuff uh, posted in the, the YouTube chat, it's a three-game slate. There's not, How much can I talk about? This, this is the type of stuff that you should be considering. I'm not even looking at the fact that Bledsoe and Middleton are playing back-to-back on the road in high elevation at Denver. They're still underpriced. Then fade them. Okay. Then if that's your stand, take it. It's a three-game slate. Who are are you playing? They're still underpriced. They're still, look, they're still underpriced. Bledsoe should be like 8,000. Middleton should be 9,000. They're still underpriced. Not as underpriced as yesterday. They're still underpriced, but yes, if, if if I could, I could make a case of fading one of them. I could, yeah, but I mean, I, I said that yesterday. It's a three-game slate, though. But yeah, but it, it yes, I don't want to make it sound like you got to play Bledsoe and Middleton today. The, they're the obvious, like the highest leverage points. Okay, if you fade both Middleton and Bledsoe today, if you're playing large field GPPs. If you're, if you're fading them, don't worry about the rest of your life. Don't, I mean, you have enough, you have all the leverage you want. Don't even think about, well, if everyone's going to play, no, you're, you're done. If you fade both Middleton and Bledsoe, literally don't even think about leverage for that. Just play whoever you want. Play whatever the top plays, if you want, whatever it is. Don't even consider leverage. You, you're going to be leveraging guys that are 50 plus percent, no, you're you, you, you plenty. You need them to fail. You need them to fail in order to win. If you're going to fade one of them, I still think you probably don't have to think about it much anymore either. If you fade a guy that's one of the guys that's going to be 60%, 50%, 60% owned, you probably don't even have to worry at that point. But definitely if you fade both of them. Okay, let's see. Wallstrass asks... Uh, if we're doing the same show for MLB, I hope so. I don't know. I don't know with the, the way that baseball works with sometimes afternoon games and what. I don't know. I don't know how the schedule is going to work out. I think so. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there'll still be a, a pregame show. I think maybe on some days it'll end up being Grinders Live for like the like the one o'clock slate or, so, or something. I have no idea. I'm not in charge of this stuff. I have no idea. I didn't even know what times the game started today. I don't even know when crunch time was. So I'm not going to know what's going to happen a a month from now, three weeks from now. Baseball starts soon, right? Thank God. (laughs) Right. uh, Robert Gall points out, uh, looking at his rotor tracker, he lost money on 77% of slates, still has a 19% ROI. Yeah, because the whole goal is to come in the top spots. You could lose 90%. Most of the top players lose 90% of the time, 80%, 90% of the time. The 10% of the time they win, they're winning top 10 spots. So you just have to give yourself an opportunity to to come in the top 10. You're constantly playing. If you're you're losing money on only like 50% of slates because you're min-cashing all the time, all you're doing is bleeding your money away. At the end of the season, you'll be like, oh, I'm down like 12%. It's like, yeah. What else? That's, what do you think the rake is? That's the rake. There you go. You didn't even beat the rake there. That's why top players find leverage and, and aim for first place in these contests. It's not going to happen often, but when it does, it makes up for all. It, you get a top five finish. It makes up for everything that you've played for the past three months and then some. So that, that's the point. Okay, let's see. Even Smith says on today's slate, there's a few ways to get leverage. One, don't play both Middleton and Bledsoe. Yes, just play one. Two, you have to look for guys like Patty C, like, like Connington. Yeah, I get it. The secondary kind of Bucks type players. But yeah, if you're fading Middleton, who are you going heavy on? Mitchell, Graham, don't see the ceiling there, Powell. It's not like a 10-gamer where you have tons of – choose someone. I don't care at that point. If I'm fading Middleton, Middleton you're small forward eligible, right? So I'm probably just playing a whole bunch more of bridges, or maybe play play anyone. The point is, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You're getting leverage, so play whatever small forward you want. I don't mind bridges. I don't mind reddish. I don't mind any of these guys. I don't think I'd 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 rather not play Boyan if he's going to be that owned, or Ingles. You're not playing a, like a direct pivot. You can play, you can pay down. There's not much to pay for, but I mean, you can. The point is, is that you're not, okay, what people don't get is that you're looking for it, like what people are saying. I don't see the ceiling deal with Powell. If you're fading Middleton, the primary reason that you're doing so is is hoping that he busts. It's similar to Blackjack. Of like you're, you're standing on 17 and, and you're hoping the dealer busts. Or you stand, you stand, you're you standing on 12, right? Like the dealer has a six and you, you, you have a 15 and you stay hoping that the face card comes out and the dealer busts. That's kind of what you're doing. So it doesn't matter as much of what what your hand is. It doesn't matter that you have a, a 12 in blackjack. You're not going to win with the 12 if the dealer doesn't bust. So that's what you're doing with Middleton. If you're fading Middleton, you're just going, Middleton, I think uh, he ends up only putting up 32 points, which is a bust at 7,600. That's his ownership. And if Norman Powell puts up 36, you get four points of leverage right there. I mean, you, you get it right there. You're paying less for it. So that's what you're doing. You're not looking. You're not looking for, well, I don't think Cody Martin's going to do that well. It's like, well, maybe him only getting 25 points is fine. Because Middleton busts. So you have a small forward spot that you paid much less for and have more points from. Point per dollar wise. And Middleton busted. Like that's the reason. So don't concern yourself so much with, well, who do I play that could beat Middleton? Well, if you think Middleton's going to put up 45 points, what, just play him. That lineup that you're fading Middleton is, is primarily geared. If he's going to be 61% owned, Playing Middleton or not playing Middleton is a determination of what if he hits a ceiling or not. Lineups that have Middleton, you're playing as if uh, he gets fifty points. Lineups that don't have Middleton, you're playing as if he busts. You could have both, right? You could play ten lineups and have five with him and five without him. But build the five without him, you're you're playing for a bust. You're playing these lineups if you have ten of them. It's quite likely that five end up placing really low and five end up placing really high based on that. you're not you're executing the same strategy in those five lineups they're different strategies one strategy for these five and one strategy for the other five Now, obviously in 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 the mix of those you could have 10 lineups and have a different strategy in all 10 of them you could have a lineup that you're fading both middleton and bledsoe but obviously that lineup relies on them both busted they both do well. That lineup doesn't do well because they're so highly owned that you almost can't make, you can't make up those points elsewhere. But in any lineup that doesn't have them, you're playing for a bust. You're not playing. Yes, you still need enough raw points out of, the, out of whoever you're playing in the small forward position. But I'm not as concerned about can Joe Ingles put up 40 points? Do I need a ceiling game on a three-game slate if I'm fading a 61% owned player in that position? All I need is the 61% on player to just not do well and get enough points at a small forward that my construction ends up beating it. That's it. So whenever you're considering who you play instead of, you're still playing lineups. I say it a lot. You're not playing players. You're playing lineups. You play lineups in contests. Lineups consist of eight players, but you're playing lineups against one another. So don't think in terms of if I fade Middleton, who do I play instead? Think of if I fade Middleton, how do I build a lineup that benefits the most from Middleton busting? That's how you should be thinking about it. And you go, well, these players are in other games. So, like, what do they have to do with Middleton busting? They don't. They have nothing to do with Middleton busting. That's why I say, play whoever you want, whoever 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 fits in with this. If you're playing, uh, if you if you have Devonte Graham in that lineup, then maybe you play Reddish, It's small forward or Herter, or DeAndre Hunter. And you go, well, you really want to pay 5K for DeAndre Hunter? No, I don't want to pay 5K for DeAndre Hunter. But if Hunter gets 22 points, which is still not great for 5,200, and Middleton busts with a 30, you'd rather have DeAndre Hunter in your small forward spot than Middleton in your small forward spot. That's what I'm building the lineup for. You're playing the game. You're not playing who's going to do well. That's not how, that's not how DFS is played. It's not a game of predicting who's going to do well, because it's it's almost impossible to do that. Okay. There's no good way to get away from Middleton on FanDuel tonight. Okay. I don't know what I don't know what FanDuel is looking like. Because yesterday the Bucs game wasn't even on the FanDuel slate. If you hit with Lopez Zeller Deadman with a 50% on Jokic, you're going to crush. Okay, you could do that. Clarkson or Dedman and Barton and Bogdanovich. Yeah, you can play those guys. Can someone please answer your question? Clarkson or Dedman or and Barton or Bogdanovich is good, but Lions and Tigers and Bears. Oh, my. That's what it seems like that question is. Play whoever you want. It's GPP. There's no, you can play whoever you want. Depends on who else is in your lineup. Must be new to the show, at least to the show when I'm on, the pregame show. I don't know who's going to do well. I can't tell you that. I can look at projections, but they're not predictions. Oh, here's a range of outcomes. Chris Middleton, 31 to 63. How helpful is that? Not very helpful. Can't tell you exactly what's going to happen. Okay, anything else before I get out of here? Come on. I mean, it's a three-game play. What what else could we be talking about? Is there going to be any news? Is there any news that we're waiting for? Giannis is out. Is, is there anyone injured? We're waiting for Van Vliet, maybe? Is he going to play? Is there anything out there? I have no idea. I don't think so. Let's take a look. Did I miss anything? Could we also have... Uh, of the situation we have the, 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 the DFS injury report for premium members, rotogrinders.com/slash premium. Yeah, we're not waiting for anyone. Well, okay, a hunter hunter's questionable, Gasol's questionable, Teague is questionable. So you make it like Goodwin backup minutes, Van Vleet is doubtful. Okay, so not much, really, not much. We're not really like uh, unless it's some, of course, obviously. You know, five hours from now, someone that is not even on the injury report is like, ah, doubtful. So you never know. You don't know, right? Trey could sit, sit for no reason, right? We've seen that before. So you don't know. Devontae Graham, maybe he, No, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. So we're not really waiting on much, and it's three games. The First game is at 7.30, and they get two 9 o'clock games. So it's pretty, pretty easy, pretty straightforward. But because of the lack of options, being that there's only six teams on the slate, if you're playing large field GPPs, you get, get different somewhere. And it may not be by fading Mid- Middleton or Bledsoe. Just understand the main point for large field GPPs today. If you're playing Middleton and Bledsoe together, make sure you gotta have to find weird leverage somewhere, right? Okay, so if you're going to play Middleton and Bledsoe together, Start thinking first of who's a contrarian center. Who's the contrarian shooting guard. Who's it like, like don't play Mitchell with that group. Like you're going to find a different path. And then on the other, on the other side, if you're going to fade Middleton or Bledsoe or both, which I guess you can do, you don't have to think about that as much. You don't have to get as weird, right? You don't have to think of like, uh, maybe Wesley Matthews gets there. Maybe Michael Porter Jr. actually gets minutes, right? You don't have to think that way. So that's that's really that's really the core for large field GPPs today. What are you doing with Middleton and Bledsoe? Because if you're playing both of them, you're gonna have you're gonna have to find major leverage elsewhere on a three game slate. And if you fade one of them, you're good. I think you're good. I Think if you paid just one of them, you don't have to worry about like re- you really don't have to worry much about leverage. And if you fade both of them, you just don't have to worry at all. Right. If you want to fade both of them, just X them out and build your lineups. You get the eye. You could literally just build the 150 optimals without Middleton and Bledsoe, and and you'd have enough leverage, I think. Okay. Even Smith wants me to call his boss and tell him he needs a load management day from work. Tell him, tell your boss you have the coronavirus. Right, tell your boss that that you hit the thumbs up button on this video enough times, even though it's not supposed to be contagious, and you got the coronavirus through YouTube. Maybe, maybe that's what you should do. Okay, I hope I hope the transcription of this, the YouTube transcription, doesn't have coronavirus a million times, and then they just they flag our channel or something. I don't know. Maybe maybe that happens. I have no idea. We got to quarantine your channel. The Roto Grinders channel is contagious. Too many like buttons, right? They hit the like button too much. Everyone got the coronavirus. Oh my God. We're all going to die. Right? But I got my mango juice. So we're good. Okay. So, uh, so I will be back tomorrow to, to, to review the, the, this wonderful three game slate. And then how many, how many games are on tomorrow? I hope there's more games on tomorrow. Let me check. I hope there is. How many games are on tomorrow? Of course, my NBA app takes a million years to load. But Tuesday slate? Okay, there's a bunch of games. Okay, we actually have a regular slate on Tuesdays. So, okay, that, that, that'll be decent. But well, we'll review the three-game slate from today. Go over tomorrow's whatever, seven, eight, nine-game slate or whatever, uh, tomorrow. And, uh, and that's what we, that's, that's what we do on the show. That's what I do. Me, Jordan Cooper, Blender HD, for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.